Hey, Emily. Hey, Stephanie. Want to do a podcast? Actually, I think it's time we sync up with someone else. Hello, I'm Michelle Pennycook. I'm a functional medicine registered dietitian who specializes in women's hormones and gut health. And welcome to Sync Ups with Cycle Chats, a space for women to be educated, empowered, and inspired. On this episode, we will be discussing ovulation and why it is so important whether you want to get pregnant or not. Let's start by just talking about what is ovulation. I think that we're going to get a little technical here for a minute just so we can understand that. So ovulation is the process in which a mature egg is released from the ovary. This happens typically in the middle of your cycle. And after it is released, the egg moves down the fallopian tubes and stays there for 12 to 24 hours where it can be fertilized or not fertilized. So this typically happens, like I mentioned, around day 14 of a typical 28-day cycle. But relying on your period tracker is not always reliable because depending on the woman and your cycle length, this can vary. We will get more into how to track ovulation later in this episode. But you may be asking yourself, why is this important? Why is this important if I don't want to get pregnant? And if you don't want to get pregnant, ovulation is so important because it is how we produce two very important hormones called progesterone and estrogen. So this has some amazing impacts on our health. So progesterone and estrogen can help boost energy, keeps bones, heart, brain, and immune system strong, helps us with healthy skin and nails, has positive impacts on our mood, is necessary for healthy libido, promotes insulin sensitivity, thyroid function, and helps reduce inflammation. Have I convinced you yet of how important ovulation truly is? So I mentioned earlier that period tracking apps are not always accurate. Because typically, it's predicting your ovulation day 14 around the middle of your cycle. And for every woman, it is so, so different. So let's chat about how to know if you are ovulating, because that's really the first step. So things you might notice towards the middle of your cycle is you might start to notice you feeling more confident, you're feeling more extroverted, and also you might notice increase in libido and energy. So around that middle time of your cycle, you might feel a little bit more frisky. Fertile cervical mucus is also present. So this is the cervical mucus that you might experience that is almost like an egg white consistency. So it should be clear, it shouldn't be colored, and that is that fertile cervical mucus. So if you are trying to get pregnant, that is super important because it will help keep sperm alive longer and giving it more chances to get to your egg. But it still is a good sign whether you want to get pregnant or not, you're nearing that ovulation. You might have some mild cramping that's from the release of an egg. You also can have increased basal body temperature. So this is something we're going to talk about as far as tracking ovulation as well. So your basal body temperature is your temperature when you wake up. It's your, you're not going to get up and go to the bathroom. You're not going to do anything else. Your temperature kind of at rest. And so this waking temperature when you ovulate will actually rise. There's different phases to your cycle. There's your beginning follicular phase, and then you have ovulation, your luteal phase, and menstruation. So that follicular phase, your temperatures might be a little bit lower, typically in the 97s. And then when you ovulate, that's one way to tell is if you're tracking your basal body temperatures, which we will talk about, it will actually increase in that luteal phase. 
So that's another way to tell as well. I love how easy to use some of the devices are out there. So we're talking about either natural birth control or we're talking about tracking ovulation and tracking your cycle and really getting to know your body. I really love the easy to use devices like temp drop, natural cycles, daisy fertility tracker, or you can even buy a basal body temperature thermometer on Amazon. It's not the same as a regular thermometer. A basal body temperature thermometer will have an extra decimal so you can get a little bit more precise with your temperature. And you can actually input that into apps like Fertility Friend is one of my favorites. That's definitely the cheapest way. But what's nice about those usable devices is they do allow for, like, it's easy to use because sometimes it can be a chore to do that every day, to do that every morning. First thing when you wake up, right, don't get up to pee, don't get up to check your phone, take your temperature right away. So the Temtrop specifically is actually a wearable device. And the other ones that I had mentioned are more of a oral thermometer. So some questions that I get a lot is, what if I'm not ovulating, right? We talked about how you might know if you are ovulating, but a really important question to ask is, are you ovulating? Because if you're not ovulating, that's a sign of kind of a larger problem and can definitely lend itself to the inability to get pregnant because if you're not ovulating, we're not able to get pregnant. But also, again, you're not getting that benefit of that progesterone, that benefit of that rise in estrogen in that second part of your cycle. So if you have missing irregular periods or even conditions like PCOS, this can totally happen. But other things that can mess with your ovulation are thyroid issues, so hypothyroid, hyperthyroid, poor gut health, high stress. So a lot of people and a lot of women have probably noticed that at some point in your cycles, you've had a cycle that's been a little bit longer than you wanted it to be. And it might have a little bit of a pregnancy scare. Sometimes stress will delay ovulation and that will also make your periods longer, but it also can stop it. And stress on the body could be stress like mental stress, but also stress on the body like not eating enough, over-exercising, things like that. High prolactin, so prolactin is actually something that you produce typically when you are lactating, right? When you are breastfeeding, but sometimes this can be off for other reasons. Under-eating, over-exercising, like I had mentioned earlier. Nutritional deficiencies, poor sleep, inflammation, infection, and also hormonal birth control. So want to touch on that a little bit is hormonal birth control actually shuts down ovulation, right? It shuts down your natural hormone production. That's why it worked so well. So that period that people are getting, a lot of people will say, well, the pill regulated my period. That period that you're getting is actually just a withdrawal bleed from the hormones. So when you start those sugar pills, you get that withdrawal bleed. So it's actually not a real period and you're not really getting that benefit of those natural hormones in your body. So for instance, if you were to skip those sugar pills, you wouldn't get a period. So that's kind of how that works and why that would stop or delay ovulation and why when a lot of women come off of hormonal birth control, they do have issues sometimes getting ovulation back on track. Sometimes it just takes a little while. It can take a few months. And then for some people, they need a little bit of extra support. So let's talk about supporting ovulation because I do think that that's such an important topic. And really when it comes to supporting ovulation, we want to make sure we have the basics down. And what do I mean by the basics? The basics are things that will make your body feel safe. So if you think about it, if you're in fight or flight, you're being chased by a lion, for instance, your body is not thinking about reproducing. And that example right there is very caveman-esque. <laughs> right back in the day. But if we think about today of how stressed we are, how stressed our bodies are, our just general environments, our work environments, our home environments, the way 
in which we live our lives now are just not set up to really be in that parasympathetic mode. So a lot of what we're going to talk about is really getting your body to feel safe. Our female bodies are so sensitive to change. And so that's why really making your body feel safe. is So, so important hormonal balance, but also really making sure we're having that healthy ovulation every month. So things we want to make sure of when we're supporting ovulation. So one of the most important things is eating enough food. So this is something I see super often. A lot of women will come to me diagnosed with what's called hypothalamic amenorrhea. It's where you've had a missing period. Oftentimes it is from under eating, over exercising, but I do get a lot of women who come to me with delayed periods, right? Their periods are very long or they're irregular. And those things can also mean you're not eating enough food. So I think most women are very surprised at how much you actually should be eating. So as women, I think we're taught that calories are bad. Calories are actually nourishment for our bodies. So I think when we really switch our mindset to nourishment over calories being a bad thing, it's really important when we talk about this eating enough food. And a lot of people get confused by this is what do you mean eating enough food? So if you don't want to track your food, I would say eating enough food requires three square meals a day, really balanced meals. And then we want to have snacks, right? So we want to keep that blood sugar balance throughout the day. We want to have those meals, have carbs, fat, protein, some healthy carbs. So it doesn't have to be white bread. doesn't have to be a cinnamon roll or donut. It could be things like sweet potatoes, fruits, beans, things like that, that are really, really supportive for our hormones. And then really having snacks that are at least two of those macronutrients, right? We want to have either like a fat and a protein or a protein and a carb and really make sure we're balancing out those meals. But if you really want to know Am I eating enough? How much should I be eating? I do think food tracking can be a really great tool as long as it's something that's not triggering for you. So usually what I do with my clients, you know, I calculate it out myself, but what you can do is you can actually go to Google. You can type in TDEE calculator. And what that will do is it will take into consideration your BMR, which is your basal metabolic rate, which looks at how many calories do you need to burn? Or are you going to burn just sitting there surviving, breathing, laying on the couch? And this is the number you do not want to go below. And I find so many women are eating below this. And what happens is a lot of other things will start to shut down, right? Those bodily functions that we don't have the fuel for. And oftentimes, again, ovulation is something to go. So it's going to take into consideration that BMR, but it's also going to take into consideration your activity level. So you want to put in your activity level and it will give you maintenance calories. So oftentimes, even if your goal is right at this moment to lose weight, if you are not ovulating, if you are having metabolism issues, thyroid issues, whatever it is, you really have to get your body feeling safe, which sometimes is eating at that maintenance calories. And if you're eating way below that and you feel like you're still struggling with weight loss, you know, that's another topic, but that's kind of a sign of some metabolic dysfunction. So if you really want to work up slowly, you don't have to go crazy fast. Let's say you're eating 1,300 calories, you should be eating 2,000. That's a big, big jump there. So really adding in those healthy fats, health carbs, enough protein will definitely help with that. And I usually recommend maybe trying to do about 10% every week increase. So it's not such a shock on your system. And it's also a little bit more manageable for you. The next thing is managing stress. So like I mentioned earlier, stress will delay or stop population because your body needs to feel safe in order to reproduce. So managing stress, it's one of the hardest things 
for people because it takes a lot of intention, right? It takes a lot of boundary setting. It takes a lot of intention behind really implementing some stress management techniques every day. So I know a lot of people feel the pressure and need to do, you know, 500 different things. And my advice to women, to my clients, to anyone is you need to find something that you like to do that you can do consistently because it's all about consistency when it comes to diet, when it comes to stress management, when it comes to sleep, exercise, it's all about consistency, right? Consistency is not sexy. Perfection sometimes can stop us from reaching those goals. So I really talk about consistency, not perfection. So whether you like to meditate or breath work or journaling, those are all really important things to figure out which one you like and try to have about 10 minutes of stress management every day. That's typically what I recommend. And if you need to start slower, definitely start slower, whatever works for you, but find something you can do consistently that you love. Smart exercise. So a lot of women find and think that we need to do some crazy intensive hit exercise or we need to go run marathons. We need to do all this stuff, but really and truly getting back to the basics of walking and weights. Walking and weights are my favorite. <laughs> you know, the two W's that I usually work on with my clients is really getting in that daily movement, whether it's getting walking, getting moving, walking, walking the stairs at work, standing while you're working. And then I usually recommend weights, you know, two to three times a week and some heavy weights too. So not just doing little baby weights, obviously working up if you're not a heavy weight lifter at the moment, but the heavier weight, as long as it's not stressful in the body, definitely lends itself to support overall muscle mass. So smart exercise and I also mean not over-exercising. So you want to really take into consideration how you feel after an exercise, because if you're doing an exercise or you're over-exercising, you'll feel very fatigued and tired afterwards. You shouldn't feel fatigued and tired after a workout. Obviously, you should feel maybe a little bit tired, right, from exerting yourself, but you should not feel exhausted or the rest of the day so fatigued from exercise. So paying attention to allowing yourself rest days, touching base with yourself and in, in how you're feeling when you're exercising, getting enough sleep is the next thing. And sleep is so, so important. I usually recommend a minimum of seven hours, but I would say most people feel best around eight to nine hours. So sleep is so important for so many things. I mean, that could be a whole nother episode of it in and of itself, but sleep is so important to making your body feel safe, reducing stress on the body, giving your body that energy it needs to ovulate, right? To produce those hormones, to create hormonal balance in your life. So if you're having struggle sleeping, my recommendation is really create that bedtime routine, right? Create that routine that's going to calm you down before bed. So turning off electronics, reading a book, doing something that's more calming before bed is usually really helpful for people. And then having a cup of tea, something that's going to really get you really calm and focused. So you can go to bed and get those eight to nine hours of sleep that we want to see. And I kind of touched on this a little bit. So I put it as a separate thing, but balancing blood sugar. So balancing blood sugar goes along with eating enough food, but balancing blood sugar is kind of how are you pairing your meals? So we want to avoid skipping meals. We want to pair each meal. We want to have a fibrous carb, a protein, and a fat at each meal. And I kind of have my clients go through that checklist. So that's super important. And beyond all those lifestyle changes, we also want to support ovulation through nutrients and macronutrients. So like I just mentioned, healthy fats, quality protein, and fibrous carbs are all important for supporting ovulation. Two low carb diets actually 
can affect ovulation. I have seen that and it can improve it for some people, just depending on if you're having insulin issues or not. And that's why if you are really struggling, working with someone can be really helpful, but really prioritizing nutrients as well. So vitamin D, getting those vitamin D levels checked, magnesium, vitamin C, zinc, B vitamins, and vitamin E are all important for ovulation and so many other things. And a lot of this comes down to but whole foods are really nature's multivitamin. I'm not telling you to go out to the drugstore and buy all of those <laughs> to supplement with all of them. You know, taking a good quality prenatal, if you are in that kind of window of wanting to try, childbearing age can be really helpful. I love Full Well. I love Baby and Me by Innate Response. Those are two that I really love. Or even doing some sort of beef liver is also a pretty good multivitamin as well. And so those are all some good options too, just for general overall support. But I hope that this has been an informative talk for you and gave you the tools to really empower you to get to know your body. Because as women, I think a lot of this is what should have been taught to us in sex ed, right? But we kind of just learned some other things that might've been helpful, might not have been helpful. So that's it for today. And I hope that you sync up with us next time.